How to apply conversion rate optimization to the entire marketing function with Talia Wolf. The Strategic Marketing Show is brought to you by Insights for Professionals, providing access to the latest industry insights from trusted brands, all in a customized, tailored experience. Find out more over at insightsforprofessionals.com. Hey, it's David. How do you treat CRO, i.e. conversion rate optimization? Is it something done by a small team to your calls to actions? Or is it truly ingrained into all of your marketing activities? My guest today certainly believes it should be the latter. She's been invited to keynote on hundreds of stages, including Google, MozCon, and SearchLove. And she's also helped several high growth brands, including Teamwork, Sprout Social, and Mercedes, optimize their funnels, create experiences customers love, and generate more leads. A warm welcome to the Strategic Marketing Show, the founder of Get Uplift, Talia Wolf. Hi. Hi, <laughs> Talia. a wonderful introduction. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I'm sure you'll keep the standard <laughs> up, up there if it is indeed up there. I just want to say you can find Talia over at getuplift.co. So, Talia, why does CRO impact the entire marketing function? You know, it's such a great question because I think ultimately it needs to have an impact on the entire marketing function. And what happens many times is in a marketing function and in an entire marketing division, let's say, most most companies will treat CRO as a tactic. It's PPC, it's SEO, it's CRO, right? It's one part that you can do within uh, marketing or within growth. Um, but when done correctly and when you treat it in with the respect and the importance that it deserves, it can impact not only the entire marketing division, but the entire business. When you approach it in the way where everything is an experiment, where everything is meant to be surveyed, researched, analyzed, and tested, then it can have a real impact on your actual product that you're selling, the software, or the products itself, it can have an impact on customer success, on retention, on every single piece, even sales, the actual sales division and the people that are answering the calls and taking sales calls, it can have an impact on everyone. So I don't know if if this really answers your question because your question is, you know, why does it impact? But I would say you need to make sure it has the right impact, that you're doing it correctly and you're approaching it in the right way so it has an impact on everything. Well, maybe the follow-up question will also dig a little bit deeper into it because I know that um, you're fond of a couple of phrases, meaningful research and emotional targeting. So what do you mean by that? So most people think about conversion optimization as changing elements on the page. Um, Essentially, I want to get more trial (laughs) starts trials, or I want to get more demo requests. So I will change the color of the call to action button, or I will change a headline and I will test and see what kind of results that brings in. However, meaningful conversion optimization actually goes a lot beyond it. 
The idea behind meaningful conversion optimization is that it is customer driven. It is customer first. And the whole idea is that you want to understand how your prospects and customers make decisions, the intent, their emotion behind a decision, and you want to understand their problems, their pains. Your whole goal is to solve their pain. And that's what conversion optimization is about. It's about solving people's problems. You want to go in, look at the funnel, understand what's not working. Now, it's really easy to see in Google Analytics where the problem is, but it's really hard knowing why this problem is happening, what's creating this problem. And if you do the right research, if you speak to your customers, if you do customer surveys, if you do review mining and competitor analysis and really dig into emotions, because emotions really impact every decision that we make in life, then you'll be able to understand what changes to make in order to increase conversions. Because as I said, finding the problem is easy, but knowing what changes to make is incredibly hard. But once you do this research and once you identify, oh, these are their pains, okay, these are their desired outcomes, this is how they want to feel and this is what they want to achieve at the end, then you're able to look at your page and your funnel and say, well, you know, this homepage doesn't hit home. It's speaking the wrong language. We're talking about ourselves. We're not talking about our customers. So the whole point within conversion optimization is to identify pains and problems and solve them. So there are many different angles that I could take actually following on from that. Uh, a couple of things jumped out at me. Uh, first of all, review mining. So I'd like just to dive into that in, in a little bit and um, perhaps just focus on speaking to customers, first of all. So um, in terms of speaking to customers, uh, is there a best practice? Do you ideally get everyone together in a face-to-face -face group? Are there certain questions that you need to ask everyone? How, how, how does that um, structure uh, work most effectively? To first answer your question, the reason we want to talk to our customers is because we want to hear their language, their voice and their tone, and we want to hear how they describe us how they describe their, their, describe their problems and the value that they get from us. If I'm an enterprise and I have a software, mostly when I see surveys on websites, it's usually about how well do you like this website? Or, or if they go beyond, then they'll send out a, a survey saying, what is your favorite feature? Why did you choose us? Is it pricing? Is it AI? Is it the machine learning? Is it the support that you get? Um, very technical and tactical. The questions that we like to ask of are further and deeper, and they are about um, un uncovering motivations. And they would be questions like, um, when you weren't using this software, how did you solve this problem? And leaving it at that, to understand what were the different things they were doing before and how they were handling it. What would you describe the problem as? And um, great different questions that really dig into the value. So instead of asking people why they purchased something or why they signed up, we'd ask, what if you could never use this product again? What would you miss the most? Or what would you say to a friend? What's the one thing you'd mention to a friend if you wanted to tell them to give us a try? And the idea here is that we're asking questions that we can later dig into, pull really important insights, find patterns of their pains, 
and their solutions and what they're looking for. And then we can use that in our copy when we're writing emails, when we're writing landing pages. So there's that importance of knowing what you want to actually ask. And for us, it usually is a one-on-one conversation. So we'll start with a survey where we'll reach out to a segment of our customers um, and we will ask them a bunch of questions and we'll review the survey and then we'll choose specific people that we notice are um, in a repeat, repeating a pattern and are interesting to speak to and could be interesting to dig in with. And we'll invite them for 20 minutes on a Zoom call and simply you know, pick their head, talk to them, ask them some questions, try to understand who they really are behind the screen and go beyond geographical location and age and, you know, their job title and try and get to know them on a real emotional level. So you say 20 minute Zoom call, is it not sufficient to do something like get them to record a five minute video going through your website and perhaps leading them with the types of why questions that you mentioned there? Is it really necessary to get on a one-on-one call with them and actually listen to their answers and perhaps have follow-up questions based upon their answers? Oh yeah, 100%. It's the difference between getting someone on a podcast and asking them questions and leading up questions and building the story because you found something interesting versus getting an email and saying, hey, can you record a two-minute video telling me, you know, what's one thing I should do for Black Friday? There's there's a difference, right? Um, so what you're talking about is helpful, and we've done this before. We usually do this live, though, not pre-recorded, but where we want people to walk us through the website and the user journey and maybe even competitors' websites and tell us what do you see, what do you like, what don't you like, what appeals to you, which words, that word, does that appeal to you? Does that speak to you and who you are? Would you identify that way? Um, We recently did this with one of our clients. We really wanted to understand if they identify um, as an agency or people that do client work or people that do service providers. We really wanted to know what is the right term. Now, I have an agency um, and if I saw some, if I saw a website that said client work, I wouldn't necessarily identify with it. I would be looking for a service, whatever that is, or solution that is for agencies. But everyone's different. So listening to that, talking to that live and hearing how people describe stuff is a lot better, in my opinion and from my experience, than asking them to pre-record themselves going through different things. Now, it's not that it doesn't work, but that's more user testing. I would do that if I was trying to figure out if something doesn't work or what the funnel is, you know, where problems are in the funnel, if things are broken or don't make sense or people get stuck on stuff or can't find things. And that's where I want to have people record themselves and talk out loud about what they're seeing. But my existing customers, my exi- my existing um you know, users, I want to chat to them and I want to hear, you know, their jokes and the little nuances that you won't get on a pre-recorded video. Understood. So essentially what you're saying is user testing is important, but it's only part of CRO and not nearly the whole picture. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the thing with CRO is that you can always dig deeper, like with review mining, which you mentioned, you know, you wanted to dig into. Review mining is the art I learned from Joanna Weeb. You know, she's just an amazing copywriter, uh, the OG, really. And um, review mining is the art of going um, and looking for books 
for example, um, that try and solve the same thing as you. So let's say that you have a software for accounting and you want to do review mining. So what that would mean is you would actually maybe go to Amazon and look for books on accounting. So you're not going to your competitors, you're going to these books that are well-known, well-published, and a lot of people have bought, and you're looking at the comments. What are the reviews that these books are getting? And what you're looking for is, what are the things that are missing in the book? What are they mentioning that, that they're missing? And what are the things that they loved? What are the things that they felt mm, could have been a bit better? And the reason you're looking for that is because it helps you see patterns, again, of pains, specific pains. Because if you can identify that specifically what really, really pains someone with choosing an accounting software is X, you can literally say that on your homepage. We know that you have a problem with this. And you also have this, and you've tried one, two, three, maybe even this book. This is the solution for you, and here's why. So ident it helps you relate to your customers. It helps you get into their heads. And review mining is, again, one piece of a whole puzzle, right? It's the same with social listening, going into communities, looking at different people that use accounting software and what are they talking about? What are they saying? What are they struggling with? So it's putting all those pieces together and finding those patterns and then treating it. I love that. Um, and I'm glad that you went into that because it wasn't exactly what I was thinking of in relation to review mining. I mean, the way you described it, it can be a wonderful way to potentially even develop a, a product or hone your product before you launch it. But um, what I was thinking of as review mining potentially was actually seeing what people were saying about your existing product, looking at negative things, and then perhaps uh, improving your, your CRO based upon that. Or is, is that not necessarily what you do? Well, we also do that. <laughs> so <Okay. laughs> <laughs> There's a lot to it. Um, yeah, definitely. We look at all the reviews, especially when it's e-commerce, you know, that's a thing. Um, when it's in SaaS, it's a little harder to find comments. But what you can find sometimes is conversations in Reddit. Or if you have a help center, then you'll see a lot of people talking about different problems that they have there. Um, or they'll be talking about it in a group. Um, within e-commerce, we definitely do review mining where we mine all the reviews that our customer, our client is receiving and then go, go through everything and identify the different patterns. Um, and we do the same for SaaS and enterprise, but it's a little bit different because you don't really get reviews per se unless you're going to G2 Crowd um, and Captura, which really are sourced by companies. So they're not really as genuine as you'd like them to be. Now, today you're also sharing details about an enterprise you've been working with for the past 18 months or so and the tests that you ran for them. So, so how have you helped them and what were the results? Right. Well, when we started working um, with this client, really, they had an idea of who their ideal customer profile was. They were um, starting to identify who that person is. And when we started working with them, we essentially dove really hard into identifying exactly who that person is, their different pains that are leading them to their website, and identifying what are the key pieces that make them switch, because this is a project management solution um, software. So essentially, most of the people are switching from one uh, platform to the other, or are switching from nothing to this product. And um, it was on us to identify 
the motivators. So what's causing them to actually make this change? Because moving from one project management solution to another is really hard work. It's a lot into it. Um, and the same from nothing, like starting from scratch and trying to implement all of your procedures and everything on a project management solution isn't easy. So we wanted to identify why people were making these moves. And then what was their shopping list? What were the things that they had to make sure they had um, when finding a PM solution? In addition to that, we wanted to identify um, the different personas within that. So I'm not talking about customer personas, which like the you know, the fluffy personas, but more who are the people and what are the jobs that they're trying to get done? Because within project management, you know, in a, in a platform like this, you have the manager that wants, you know, the, the, the overall, you know, give me time capacity, tell me what's happening with the budget, tell me how we're doing for overtime. Then you have like a designer that maybe wants to work within the product and, you know, leave comments and work within their pe with the people and have a little, you know, chat in there. You've got people who are like a little higher in management and they want to kind of PM and make sure that the projects are okay. So there's there's a lot of different tiers and each one of them is very different. And you've got the people that are working on the product, but you've got the people that are making the decision about the product. And there's just a lot of layers to it. So a lot of that for us was, you know, interviewing people and interviewing their exact ICPs, um, talking to them, running surveys, then doing actual um, user testing and just looking at the different reviews that they're getting and also trying to identify the different pains that their ICP have. And once we did all that and we audited the entire funnel, so what existed back then, which was um, their goal is to get people to sign up for a free trial. So we basically audited the, you know, ran an audit on the entire funnel to identify leaks and what's not working. And once we did all our research, we could look at the website and say, well, you know, this isn't working. You're speaking to someone completely different. You're too generic. Everyone's saying this. We should be saying one, two, and three. And you should have this section on your homepage and this section on your homepage. And we went through, you know, we've been working with them for almost two years now. So we've run a bunch of tests. We've done tests on their homepage. We've done tests on their pricing page, um, where we really have done a lot of work on how to present a pricing page and what the calls to action to be, how to show the different um, features or what the pricing should be. Um, we've worked on comparison pages uh, for organic traffic and for paid traffic. We've worked on landing pages. Um, we're now, you know, working on menu and navigation. Um, so there really is a lot of different pieces. We recently increased uh, free trials by 54% on the homepage um, just by writing, you know, very specific copy for their ICPs. Um, within um, the comparison pages, for example, if you're in SaaS, then you know that comparison pages are a big deal. Right, you have to spend a lot of time comparing yourself to your um, competitors, and most of the comparison pages out there are so bland and so uninteresting and so unhelpful. And you can tell that they're very biased towards themselves. Obviously, we spent a lot of time writing a full story and literally saying, "If this is who you are, you should go for this person and not for us," because we look at it as doing a service for our clients. Um, so with landing pages, you know, we've had 
a hundred over a hundred percent increase in signups, and we've had uh, seven times the conversion on some of our other pages. So, it, and we don't just look at trials; we're also going to look at ICP trials, right? The people that we want to sign up, and then also, you know, the qualifying leads and how they turn into sales and what that looks like later. So, there's a lot of different uh, pieces to it. Um, we're, you know, we're optimizing their product pages right now. Um, but it goes back to your original question, what kind of impact CRO can have on, you know, your entire marketing. And it really is having a huge impact on everything that we do, um, in terms of ads and content and web pages and emails. Now you mentioned ICP a few times. You mean ideal customer profile, don't you? Yes. Okay, that's great. And I just want to dive into one specific element of what you said there, just to try and get a practical takeaway from it. Um, you mentioned pricing pages. Um, what are What is a typical mistake that companies make with their pricing pages? And what is a typical quick win that uh, companies can make with that? Well, I mean, it's not a quick win, but it's also a very important um, element. I think from what I've seen, from my experience, the biggest mistake um, is that we overcomplicate things. We add more and more and more pieces um, to each pricing tier, and we end up saying a lot but saying nothing. Um, and the mistake is that when someone looks at your pricing tiers, they can't immediately place themselves. Um, what you want to do with the name of the pricing plan, with the headline of the pricing plan, the subhead and the different features is actually say who it's for. Um, and what we've done for our client is we essentially built a pricing plan, like the different actual table um, that allowed you to see if you're at this stage of your business, this is the plan you wanna go for. But when you wanted to, dr to actually drill into details, we created a huge table with all the features. But instead of just dumping all the features on the page, we created sections. So each section would say, you could get this result with these features, one, two, and three. You could get this result with these features. So we started pairing the value and the result that people wanted with the features. And that's the mistake that I see is that there's a lot of throwing features. There's a lot of kind of shiny objects everywhere, but there isn't a, an easy way for people to identify what's right for them and which is the right plan for them. Great advice. Well, let's move on from what works now to planning for the future. So in your opinion, what's the biggest marketing trend or challenge for marketers over the coming year? You know, I don't think this is new, right? But we, the world is just overwhelmed with noise and people that are trying to grab our attention. And I think that's one of the biggest issues. What worked 10 minutes ago no longer works. And um, things that we did at the beginning, um, you know, a year ago definitely don't work anymore. And that's because there's just so much noise out there. Everyone's trying to grab your attention with ads and notifications and emails. And there's just a lot of it. And I think that one of the biggest issues really is standing out in that crowded market because you're no longer just worried about your direct competitors, but everyone. You know, even the pizza person, you know, the pizza delivery person that arrives at your door is a competitor because if you sent a notification, they opened it and then they got, you know, a buzz to go to the door, they've forgotten, they've gone on. So 
it the attention fighting for attention is 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 a big battle and it you know it's been going for a while but i feel like it's getting bigger and bigger and i think that the solution to it or the start of the solution to it is really creating a space where you're speaking directly to the your specific people and you're creating a community around it and you're giving them value that makes them want to keep coming back to you um because ultimately there's always going to be someone that has better pricing better features than you um there's going to be a new player next year and you're not going to be able to out you know outmaneuver them especially if you're growing um and they're small and agile and they can move faster the only way to really separate yourself from that crowd and stand out is to speak to your customers and make it about them and really put them in the center and make them the hero um and that means you know putting their value above all in everything that you do so yeah attention i think is the biggest thing I've been your host Eva Bain you can find Talia Wolf over at getuplift.co Talia thanks so much for being on the strategic marketing show and thank you for listening Here at IFP our goal is simple to connect you with the most relevant information to help solve your business problems all in one place insights for professionals dot com